Hi, I'm your host, James Barrow, a creative turned marketing director with over 20 years' experience in the advertising industry. Join me as I go behind the scenes with a range of innovative thinkers. Hear what inspires them, their processes, and the methods to their madness. Find insights that can help unlock your creative potential and apply them in your life, career, and business. Right here on The B-Side with James Barrow. How can we combine two seemingly different passions into one successful career? In episode 16 of The B-Side, I speak to award-winning chef and co-host of My Kitchen Rules, Manu Feldell. Manu is one of the most popular personalities on Australian television. He's got a couple of other projects on the boil too, like a new studio space called La Botanique in Botany, Sydney, and he's launched his own range of classic French sauces called The Sauce by Manu. We chat about his humble beginnings, being raised by a single mum, quitting school at 15, and working in his father's restaurant, and how his work ethic was forged in fire through a gruelling apprenticeship under a tyrant of a boss. He shares how through his resilience and a burning desire to make a better life for himself, and his family, he became a three-hatted chef, and how fate would see his lifelong love of entertainment and cooking converge to create a career he once only dreamed of. We jam on some of the trends developing in the entertainment industry and the food service sector. He shares his views on the need for simplicity, authenticity, and education in our culinary culture. And we go behind the scenes of MKR for a bit, and we have a frank and open discussion on the reality of being a celebrity in Australia. Manu Feldell is a real down-to-earth, genuine and super nice dude. I thoroughly enjoyed our chat, and I'm certain you will too. Cheers. I'm still in the house with a wonderful man called Manu Feldel. You may know him from MKR and a whole bunch of other things. He's written books. He's one of the most prolific chefs and wonderful people I think I know out there, at least on Australian television. Manu, how are you going? Good. Yourself? I'm very good. It's been a long time. I think it may have been 10 years now since I last um, worked with you. So you, you were working for Clement Jardin, uh, and I think I stopped working with Campbell's about three, four years ago, so maybe about six, seven years. What was Campbell's thinking? They should have spoken to me and you before they decided <laughs> to move on and do other things. I think it was a really bad move. Uh, I think they're, <laughs> they're stuck in the old age, I think. It's okay. <laughs> That was a really cool time for us. I mean, that, and that was where I really had a sense that you were this multifaceted renaissance man of creativity. You had all these ideas and we don't get a lot of time to talk to people about things beyond just what they're known for. Yeah, you're right. And I don't think a lot of people know who I am exactly. You know, they, they see me with a suit and tie in the TV box and they have an image and a thought of who I am, but Frankly, they've got no idea. I mean, why don't we start there? That's a really good place to start. Maybe just framing it from um, a personal perspective. I'm from a, a middle-class single mother, two kids, very little education, left school when I was 15. Not because I was stupid, but just I was uninterested. My parents were divorced. Mom didn't know what to do with me. She sent me to my dad to work for maybe a year or so. Uh, I used to own a restaurant. And mm. I frankly fell in love with working uh, the first day I entered the kitchen and uh, realized very quickly that that's what I wanted to do and and um, decided to work hard at it. I suppose that's where it starts. I mean, from, from a 15-year-old boy who was a bit lost at the time, mm. lucky to find his passion very early on and kind of wanted to become the best at it or one of the best at it and travel the world, really. Your parents split up. My parents also split up as well. I was raised by a single mother in a very working class, or if not pretty poor um, situation. Not that we ever felt poor, and I'm sure you can yeah, yeah, that's ap right, yeah. appreciate this. Like When I think back, we never wanted for anything. We never really knew that. We didn't know better. Yeah. Uh, that's the thing. People like us hang out with people like us. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's exactly what it is. But um, I, I think I... A, a, a great growing up, you know. I, I, I don't um, regret how I was brought up. I think, uh, yeah. I think to actually, re let me rephrase that. I think the way I was brought up was probably the better way. Yeah, to be absolutely. Because when you got nothing, and what your mother offers you is is love, strength, mm. and resilience, and mm. 
that's what you need for the future of your life, you know. Absolutely. And I think that's the difference today and that we made the mistake now as parents <laughs> is because we're giving our kids what we didn't get. Yes. And that's, that's the wrong thing to do because then they're yeah. going to think, you know, when they don't have it, that's when they're having a, 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 you know, a, a tantrum about it. Well, that, that's a funny thing. There was research around the human condition being one of struggle and tension and if we don't have tension in our lives or struggle in our lives, then it doesn't allow us to evolve. And you're right. We give our kids these beautiful, cushy, you know, once we make some money and a bit of fame, we give these kids these beautiful things because it's, but it's the worst thing we could possibly do. Like, That's yeah. Right. I, exactly. And sometimes like, I'm not going to talk about my kids, but sometimes they still go off the rails, man, you know, and <laughs> I think, I think we turned out good because of that, to be honest yeah, with you. And I yeah. mean, for me, I was, um, um, you know, when you, as you know, single mother struggling, working full time, looking after the kids, never have enough money, and so on. It's a, con- a constant struggle. And as a young, bo- I, as a young boy, I, I, it made me angry mm. to see uh, my mother suffer that way. And and that's by the age of eighteen. That's why I went. See, ya, I'm going. I'm going to make something of myself, and I'll come back. And sort you out. I get it. That was my aim. My mum used to give everything away, you know. Oh, you want some milk? Here, milk, sugar. Take some sugar. Um, you want bread? Here, take our bread. And she would <laughs> make the bread for us. And she would always make wholemeal bread. You know, when you're a kid, you don't want to eat brown bread. Uh, you're and a white stat. <laughs> <laughs> the terrible bread. But I used to hate it because, like, she would be so nice and so giving to everyone else. And, and I felt the world was – my wife calls it you, – you've got the poor boy syndrome. You think the world's against you. And it's like most of the time I don't. But I just don't like people – Taking, being taken advantage of, and I felt my yeah, mom. yeah, no, I it's one of my pitfalls as well. Like yeah. I, I, I love giving, but I don't like people taking the piss. Taking the piss, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. So I know you you went back. You worked with your father for a short amount of time, didn't you? When you yes, so that that was an interesting time because I've never spent too much time with him in the first place. Mm. Uh, but I was also missing him uh, you know i mean mm. you, you miss regardless what happened between your parents you can you still miss the the guy that's gone and that's not there and and so on. so I, I was happy to go and, and live with him for a year and work with him for a year and we had a brilliant time by the way you know he was good mm. I, I was working hard as a 15 year old boy i was probably slavering uh you know <laughs> starting six o'clock in the morning finish midnight and uh, there were long days but i just i remember just loving it and yeah yeah it just didn't really matter. It was just fun. Yeah. Um, and then, and then I left him to do my apprenticeship. Yeah, that was what... that was the smack in the head. That was hard. Yeah, that was real deal, wasn't it? That that it, scarred you. Yeah, in some way. I, I tell you what, <laughs> that would that that type of scene will never happen today. Never. Yeah. You yeah. you'll go to jail as a boss if you treat your staff. Sure. sure. Yeah. What was it about? It was it yeah, just the, verbal the... abuse. Um, Verbal abuse, somewhat physical, a little bit, you know, just the kicking mm. the sheen and stuff like that. And uh, the long hours um, and the constant, you just, it was a small team, so you couldn't have a day off, sick or not. Yeah, so you just yeah. had to go to work. And I remember having, uh, I don't want to paint a horrible picture here, but I used to have, uh, you know, sweating. So, uh, my feet were bleeding on daily basis mm. and it just it didn't matter i used to go home and cry and put some mm. plasters on and go back the next morning non-stop it was just like this for mm. two years uh, but again i'm talking about it today i don't regret that because no, it made no. me tough yeah. it made me um, gave you the work it, ethic that you, yeah. yeah it just you know i just look at half of the world now it's just lazy and and it just drives me nuts, you know. Yeah. It just everybody wants to get big money straight and do, away and do, and do yeah. nothing. I wonder where and why you persevered, though. Like, what was it? What? I don't know. I think it was just, you know, when I left home, Mum said to me, uh, "This, the three life lesson: work hard, don't mm. lie, don't steal." Yeah, yeah. You know, they're, they're simple rules. Simple but rules. They're, yeah. They're kind of the basis of of life in those three 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 mm. sentences you know you've got to be honest uh and you've got to work hard that's the, that's the only way you've got to go through life and mm. you know we all know life is a bitch you know it's hard <laughs> for everyone with or without money it's it's yeah. hard yeah you know yeah. it's easy with money but it's still hard 
yeah. Um, it's not like you can just hit a certain point in your life and go, hey, man, that's it. I can put my feet up. You know, you've got to maintain this machine and this. That takes work and commitment and dedication. And- the same in, in business, you know. Mm. It's, like, it's like we said earlier on. It's like you've got to, you've got to feel the pain mm. before it, it pays off. You yeah, know? yeah. And, and, and life is a constant learning curve. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the only way you can learn is making mistakes after mistakes after mistakes. Now, how old you're going to be until <laughs> you don't make mistakes and you just become successful forever? Yeah. I don't think it ever happens. But you you can make less mistakes and be a bit more successful as you get older. But it's it's this is what life is about. It's a yeah. constant roller coaster of fighting and mm-hmm. winning battles. In talking about making mistakes in the long journey, it sounds as though it's, it's, it's this long battle of putting yourself into situations that you're not comfortable with. It just reminds me of, of your career in a sense, like you're a proper three hat winning chef, you know, and, and, and you've, you've had legitimate um, world class fame on those merits alone. You could have given up there. You know, it's the, it's the constant uh, search for better. You know, mm. and um, I wake up every day. I want to have a better outcome than yesterday. Mm. Mm. Uh, I want to mm. better myself tomorrow, and tomorrow mm. I want to better myself the following day. Uh, and and in in my chefing career, it's exactly that. I mean, when you reach the three hats, mm. it's one thing. But when you know the 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 path of a chef that wants to succeed is it's working for years and years and years until you become what they call the executive chef, where you're at the mm-hmm. top of the brigade. But what's what's after that for a chef? After that is owning your own restaurant. Yeah, yeah. You know? And that's where most chefs make mistakes because they may be good cooks. Yeah. But they're bad businessmen. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and exactly. we and we think we know. And we don't. Yeah. We don't know anything. Yeah, because you're going from a creative role where all you have to worry about is the creative to to running a business, which is completely different. It's a thing that I don't regret. I've I've Mm. had successful restaurants, I've I've had complete failures. Yeah. Uh, So it gave me some really high in life and Mm. some down, dark, below places at times as well. Mm. But, you know, it's. As I say, yeah, you've got to you've got to smell the, the bottom before you can reach the heights again. And it's it's and then you, it's. I always say to people, uh, life is like a, a, a boxing match. Mm, you've got it really is. It's like you've got rounds after rounds after rounds, and you might lose one round, you might win the next one, and so on. Mm. But you always have to get up and just give me one more go. You know. And speaking of boxing, I've noticed you're doing some boxing now. Yeah. So. This is crazy. Um, I never liked sports, but from the age of 40, I started, mm. wanted to, you know, look better, feel better, mm. uh, and try to kind of keep up with my, my sons, I suppose. And so I, I started a bit of personal training stuff. Mm. And then a few years ago, uh, I decided to start a, a bit of boxing, which was only one day a week and it was fun. And then I started putting weight and <clears throat> through having issues with business, I started drinking a bit too much and eating yeah, a bit yeah. too much, not caring about myself too much. It's so easy to do, isn't it? I, I've gone yeah. through the same thing around about the same age. I'm 45 in a couple of days, and um, I think I'm fitter mentally as well as physically now than that's I was right. in my mid-30s. And I, I, I woke up one day and I said to my wife, I said, that's it. This year, I'm doing it. Mm. And so we started doing um, five-day training, uh, complete diet, no drinking for four months, and then I started boxing again. Mm. And now I've been doing this for a year and a half, five days a week. I'm five cycling, days a week, man. I'm cycling uh, Tuesdays and Sundays. Mm. I'm boxing Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Wow. And, and I, I, I hurt because I'm getting <laughs> also all my joints yeah. and, yeah, yeah. you know, but I feel good here. Yeah, and that's I, good. I, you know, and it's, how do you fit it into your schedule? And you know, you, you must well, you must have a tight schedule. I know your team I, are fantastic. I must say, props to your team, and they're I amazing. I think I've yeah. got to say thank you to COVID nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah. I haven't been working for a while, unfortunately, but uh, yeah. I've been been able to look after myself and spending time with my family through that. Was That's really good. Yeah. yeah, how has that affected you? Maybe we could touch on that because it's like, look, this probably won't we probably won't be able to talk about this anytime in the next fifty odd years. It's a very yeah. <laughs> I've kept. I, I mean, I I I feel firstly lucky that I don't own a restaurant anymore. Like, mm. Wow. Yeah. Uh, uh, when I lost my takeaway uh, concept last year, I was r- upset, obviously, you know, mm-hmm. another business that didn't succeed. But today, when I think about it, I'm like, mm-hmm. thank blessing, you, yeah. whoever's, whoever's looking uh, yeah. uh, uh, over me, thank you, because it is a blessing, because uh, it would be a lot harder to, to deal with. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I've been traveling uh, with, MKR for 11 years around the country uh, oh. away for a couple of months at the time not seeing my family and so on is, uh, which became a kind of uh, uh, accepted by, by all of us but mm. I just realized that I've got a four bedroom house and a wife and two kids in the last few months you know it's been it's been, it's been wonderful so what are you what are you um what are you doing now what's keeping you busy these days um, beyond the 50,000 books you're probably writing and the the empire no, 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 episodes no 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 stop the books because i think there's too many books on the market now. you know 11 years of mkr um um 400 odd episodes crazy yeah, yeah. crazy wow. stuff um i've bought a, a warehouse in botany uh, mm. a few years ago uh, because I wanted to build a little office with a little kitchen that I could do my things in. And this warehouse that was supposed to be, uh, you know, a hundred square meter is actually 400 square meter. <laughs> and, um, decided to build something a bit bigger than I thought. So it's got a commercial kitchen, a filming kitchen, uh, a, a function room, a bar, um, and an office. So, uh, it's 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 light. It was supposed to be done uh, by March this year, but with everything that happened, it's slowed, mm. slowed down and everything. Mm. So I think we've got about six more weeks before it's done. So I've been busy kind of going there on daily basis to see how the work goes and make sure. a decision of what should be done. And so down on. in Botany, yeah. So yeah. the space is, what, is it a residential space or is it more? No, no, a, it's a function, it's a function, function, function space. Function, yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, great. with two different kitchens, one for filming and still photography and one for oh, uh, commercial work uh, oh, to, awesome. to do weddings and, and so on. That's awesome. I'll have to put the so, word out there because I'm still connected to the industry. Yeah, you know, it, that, that's, it's called yeah. La Botanique with La Botanique. Q-U-E at the end, yeah, French, no, start, French way. Mm. And funny enough, I've been working on a source project for five years um, and when I finally got accepted at Woolies, I went, job down, I can relax. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's nothing never that like easy. that. No, yeah. it's not. So now it's on the shelf. Tick. Yeah. But now you need to keep it on the shelf. And to keep it on the shelf is, uh, you know, awareness. So put it in people's mouths. So, yeah, yeah. so we sell some more. So, so Willie says we keep you on, you know. Okay, so, let's try and do but, that. Let's let's sell your sources right now. Manu, <laughs> Manu, I don't get any advertising dollars from Manu, but I'm going to let Manu <laughs> sell his. Well, but I must admit, I've I'm, I'm, I've tried them. I've tried the um, the peppercorn and the red yeah. wine. I mean, the the biggest thing about the sauce is not the, the fact that I put a sauce out there with my name and uh, no, of course it. not. No. It's You're the only sauce, the first sauce on the market which is fresh. Made with fresh ingredients, no additive, no preservative, and no sugar. There's mm. nothing else on the market. So yeah. that's what's been tough. Is is there's no category. This it it's a completely new category. Yeah, so yeah. I've, I've had to build a new thing, and to be accepted by Woolies at the time was like, a, you know, maybe maybe not, and they, they decided to give me a go. And so, what was know, the process for that? I mean, sorry to cut you off, but so you're marketing a product. Product development is hard enough in itself mm. but i've always believed in if it comes from a passion if it comes from a real insight and experience and, and a belief then it's a lot easier to do now maybe talk to me about where it started where the idea came from why why source well you, you're right actually uh before i get it, dive into that there, there's three ways in business passion you lose money <laughs> business only you make money but that's just mm. about making money or passion and business together. And that's yeah. the key, I think, for success is having the passion of the product to be able to make a business out of it and, and combine yeah. the two together. Yeah. Um, 11 years on my kitchen rules, uh, very early on, 
during my critics, I used to say, um, beautiful piece of meat and crispy vegetable, but where's the sauce? Yes, and that, yeah, right. that, 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 yeah. that tagline uh, just kept on repeating itself series after series after series. Mm. And halfway through the 11 years, I said to my team, I said, um, why don't we do a, a, a sauce range for, for you know, the, the My Kitchen Rules viewers, you know, people yeah, who, yeah. who watch us for so long. And and we worked on it for about a year, about five years ago, and we couldn't find a manufacturer with the equipment or the knowledge to be doing it. Sure. So we kind of gave up. And then a couple of years ago, we decided to give it one more go. And we finally found a few manufacturers that had new equipment and mm. understand, understood the process and so on. So I started cooking sauces at home and I just went there with my recipe and I said, that's what I want. Mm. And after um, uh, a year of hard work, we created the packaging. Uh, we created, obviously, the, 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 six, the six flavors at the moment, but there are only mm. three on the market. And, and a contract with Woolies and... Mm. Um, yeah, it, it took five years to get it on yeah, the shelf. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Yeah. But, did you do any you know, testing, market testing, or, or is it more? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 We did all of that. All, yeah. and, you know, and, and that's that's what happens as you get older and you, after making hundreds of, of, of mistakes, then you start uh, taking three steps back and, yeah. and start taking Removing the boxes. Removing yourself. Like, okay, what do we yeah. before I put my money in there? Mm. You know, we need to make sure that it's going to sell. And it's... And, that comes back ego, you know, in restaurants, yeah. the chef has the most ego in the restaurant. Mm. And he might tell the customer, the customer might say, oh, I don't like this. And the chef might say, well, top bananas, you know, that's, that's my recipe and that's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. Unfortunately, it doesn't work like this in the world. You know, yeah. you've got to listen to your customer. Uh, I don't want to say that the customer is a king, but um, they're the one that, buys it and that's the one that makes your business run so that's you, right you've yeah. got to listen to that sure. and especially w- whether you believe you're a brand or not but you're putting you know you're you're a, you're you know you're a human being just to reduce you down to a brand but people do know you as manu the brand so to speak and they're experience they're buying an experience they're they're buying your 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 background they're buying your influence up to this point they're yeah, buying yeah. you know it's the it's the sources that you you learn to cook you know slaving away over the stove it's the it may be how do you capture the spirit of i guess your style of cooking and i know your rustic french homemade love of um, yeah i'm 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 about real mm. Real fruits. And, I've and, heard and you I talk did, about butter on a pan that had been used to cook beef, like uh, steak, yeah. and you and your your sister, I think it was, you know, using the bread to, to mop up. To, we used to to fight to get the last. Dude, when you said that, that <laughs> even just that, it made me want to go out and buy a bit of butter and some steak and just, <laughs> honest to God, like it's just they're, they're the visceral things that make you just want to eat and sit down and just yeah. the brutal beautiful wonderful things about food right you know yeah. um as you know I've, I've done the fine dining stuff but 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 before before you know the modern style of cooking arrived you know so bilson was uh the aussie francophile you know mm. 65 years old but you know, French trained, and and that's what I wanted. You know, so yeah, we yeah. did fine dining, but cooking real foods. Yeah, you know, like a good piece of meat, a great piece yeah. of fish, and a great garnish, and a great sauce, and so on. Oh yeah, and but you know, when I don't go out in in fine dining restaurants anymore because oh. I often get a little upset because firstly, it's it's always hard to describe what you've got on your plate. Mm-hmm. Secondly, it's how to describe what you're eating and and flavors that are being put together. And you've got eight to nine courses of it. And you go home, I can promise you nine times out of ten, you've forgotten what you've eaten. Yeah. But yeah. if you had a good piece of steak, like Marble <laughs> 9 with a beautiful peppercorn sauce mm-hmm. and whatever, and you just chew on that you go home and say oh my god that steak was bloody delicious yeah, yeah, you know what yeah. i'm saying that's so that's my belief i'm not i'm not asking anyone else to 
follow me, but that's what good food is for me. Something that you can, I don't know, traditional kind of piece of meat, protein, some vegetables, mm. some, you know, it can be beautiful plated, like no yeah, doubt, yeah. with different textures and all, but real food. That's really interesting because uh, I loved it. And I think um, I had duels with one with chicken, the other with beef. And it, it sort of took me back. We, um, I was in Paris in 2018 and we went to Lyon as well. And um, it reminded me when I cooked the steak and use your sauce, and I think we had some chips, but it was the the crappy oven chips, you know, the the ones yeah, that you put yeah, it. Yeah. And it, you know, the, of yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the lonchakot. You know, the lonchakot. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Style. Yeah. We tr- tried to, yeah. we you know, because my wife and I, we we enjoy cooking, and um, not to the. We're not to say that we're fantastic cooks, but we enjoy cooking. And we had this, some of the sauce with this, and it just sort of it was really really quite nice. It just took us back to that. Um, that trip, you know, because we went to Paris, then we went down to Lyon, and um, yep. Lyon was amazing. And when it's, you say real, the, the, that's that's the heart. When you say okay. real food, uh, like that's I was it. going into the bouchons and eating tripe, and you know, the, the, I had a calf head, half like half a calf head, and I'm yeah, picking right. out with, the with, the meat from the, the cheeks and the with tongue, Grebish gr- gr- dressing. Yeah, oh man, yeah, and yeah. I, I think I had meat sweats because I had so much meat <laughs> in Lyon. <laughs> but yeah. it was amazing. But it's not that's not the French food that the the culinary uh, elite talk about. They don't talk about the guts and the the, the no. offal and the the bouchons and the all the stuff. You know where it's, it's kind of where it started, right? But I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think this is it. I think this is a wonderful. Uh, you know, people sometimes roll their eyes about French food because they think it's very rich and 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 so on. But so what? You know, it's, yeah, exactly. It's yeah. it's what it is. It's what I, as you say, pig strutters and livers and kidneys <laughs> and tripes and you know all of that. It's oh, just, yeah. yeah. Oh, the oysters it, were something it, else as well. I think, I think all all, this, all of those cuts have been. Uh, introduced to food, you know, because there was nothing else to eat. Nothing but we else did to something eat. very special with it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where it really starts, doesn't it? Out of necessity, right? Yeah. I mean, we eat snails for goodness sake. Yeah, exactly. Why? I don't think snails were ever a delicacy of French cooking. It's just yeah. there was nothing else to eat. And we, a, a lot of garlic and a bit of parsley and voila. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Lyon was interesting in a way as well because it combined my two other passions. It's probably you, you probably appreciate this, but the home of film, the Lumiere brothers, uh, the, oh, yeah. the makers of film, and you've got this duality. You've got this really working class sort of a silk factory based culinary capital, Paul Bocuse markets, and then you can yeah. go and see the Lumiere brothers museum. Museum, yes. Yeah, there's this wonderful duality of. The, the film or the art scene as well as the, the culinary scene. And again, it kind of reminds me, I was thinking about some of the things I talked to you about and it kind of reminded me of you in that, you know, you, you haven't really spoken about it, but your background in entertaining, like you wanted to be an entertainer as a kid, right? I mean, and, and you had this other burning passion for the, the love of cooking and, and bringing people joy that yeah, way. I, I, I don't know how the entertaining part of, how it came to me, but I, I was a clown in class uh, mm. as a young boy, you know, and I realized that me, excuse my French, but fucking around in a <laughs> class made people laugh. Yeah, and yeah. I, I just, I just love that, and and obviously, you know, I, I, I haven't been able to pursue that because I wanted to. I, I joined the circus school for for a couple of years, but. Then after that, I, I went to work with dad and then I, I fell in love with, with cooking. But it's funny out of both of the things that I started when I was a young adult mm. kind of got together and went in, hand in hand. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, entertaining on, on TV and still in the food industry. So yeah, yeah. it's, a, it's, I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty bloody lucky. They would have been two quite different uh, career paths, but you're right. The way they've merged, I mean, if you think both are creative pursuits, both have an audience in mind and the goal is to make them happy. Yeah, and the co- the cooking is the same. You just want to put a, a smile on people's face Spaces, when they exactly, put yeah. a fork of food in their mouth, you know? Yeah, not a lot of people get to do that or get to define. And it happens that we just discover it. We retrospect, we look back and we think – what were all the little component parts that led me to where I am now? And when you're in the thick of it, you don't realize, but you're, it's, you're heading towards 
a certain direction, aren't you? As long as yeah, you know yeah. what you, makes you happy, in your That's case, right. it was making people happy. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Do you, do you know what I, I mean? I, and even as an employee, um, you know, that was my drive to make sure that the boss was always happy with my work and that's that's what made me work harder and harder and harder it's amazing you found yourself you've done multiple tv programs you know people know you from mkr but obviously you've been involved in television way before then you worked with gary and i think you even did like an episode on masterchef which is a competitor to mkr uh, yes yes well the, the funny story is actually is um I was doing the auditions for MasterChef. Oh, really? Yeah. One of the other thousand chefs that were involved in the audition. And I got a call for the second audition. And I got called for the third and final audition. Oh, right. And there was actually six of us on the panel. But they only, only needed three. Mm. And um, I remember on the last day of the audition, I was auditioning with Gary by my side. And I don't know what I did, what I did, but I was not being myself and I was a little bit competitive with Gary and so on, <laughs> um, which is not me in general. And then suddenly I got the tap on the shoulder saying, thank you very much. Very good. You did very well today. We'll give you a call tomorrow. All right. And I remember going, uh, I didn't get it. <laughs> I didn't get it. You know that tap on the shoulder? Yeah, that tap on the shoulder. Um, so I got the call the next day and said, Manu, we really love what you did, but mm. the, one of the issues that we've got with you is your French accent. Oh, really? And I'm wow. like, you're kidding me. This is what <laughs> took <laughs> me here, but now you don't want it. Okay, great. Yeah. So anyway, so I didn't get the gig. Uh, but about five or six weeks later, I got a call from Channel 7 saying, we are looking to do a, a new cooking uh, shows oh, yeah. to, to kind of compete against Channel 10 Network. Would you be interested? So I said, yeah. So I, I, I did the pilots. So I did the mm. pilots for about five days. And same thing happened. They gave me a call and said, oh, don't know about the French accent. And oh, really? in, the, in the meantime, I got called to do the first, the first episode of, uh, of MasterChef. And, and then I got the gig on Channel 7. On Channel 7, so, so it all, yeah. all worked out in the end, yeah. That's right, yeah. yeah and you've been, like we, we did say it earlier, it's been like 10 years, yeah. It started in 2010, I think, yeah. And, wow, oh, yeah, and yeah. 423 episodes, 11 seasons, man. That's longer than The Simpsons, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, you've been on yeah. television for a long time, man. It's been a, a, a wonderful um, and crazy roller coaster, but it's been good. It's been yeah, good. yeah. I watch your documentary, uh, My France. I really liked that. I've seen a few little episodes here and there, and um, I saw one more recently when you were in Brittany. Yeah. And the, I love oysters, man. And you had me with the oysters, I tell you. In, just, in Concal. Yes. What was that? I have to ask. Yeah, Concal. What was that massive oyster like? Because uh, you they, cut before you – I didn't see you munch it. I wanted to know they, what was that thing, the horseshoe, the horseshoe. The horseshoe, yeah. So <laughs> the, it's, uh, firstly, it's not, it's not a cultivated oyster. It's a native uh, oyster, which means it's at the bottom oyster. of the ocean. Yeah. Which is at the bottom of the ocean. And it's it's grown by itself, so it's more yeah. game. It's more gamey. Gamey. Oh, I love it. Yeah. You know when you've got a piece of yeah, yeah. that you chew a little bit. Yeah. It's a little bit like this, and it was too big for me to actually chew the whole thing in my mouth, <laughs> and I nearly gagged on it. So I think that's why they <laughs> cut, 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 cut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're a brave man. I mean, that, that's a lot of oyster to, to take yeah, in yeah, one was, one gulp. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's interesting that in terms of um. You, you know, you are really prolific. You do have a lot of things going on at, at one time. How do you juggle these multiple ventures? I've been lucky to be working with a wonderful lady called Natalie Street, and she started working with me 10 years ago as a, as a, a PA, uh, uh-huh. as I need, did someone to kind of uh, look after my day-to-day craziness. But she kind of grew with me uh, on a yearly basis. Now she's my business manager and she pretty much look after everything I do and we've got a couple of more people uh, part of the team as well so I've, we are being able to delegate now which is yeah, great. Yeah, that's good. But, um, uh, yeah, it, it, took, it took a long time. We, used, so we used to do everything ourselves so writing the cookbooks you know, with oh, my really? two fingers yeah. And, yeah. on the computer and uh, and, and so on. So it's it, it's taking a long time to have a, 
oil machine, I suppose. Yeah, speaking of the books, I've, I've, got the, I've still got those signed books that you, you signed for me when we were working together. I think it was Manu's French Kitchen and Manu's French, kitchen. French Bistro. Bistro, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Remember, I was doing the hand modelling and you said something about <laughs> I was For the listeners, I was Manu's, um, Manu's hand double. That's my claim to fame. I was... <laughs> Because you, you you had a big night the night before and your hands were shaking and they needed me to come in. And I had a big night before as well, so I think my hands were shaking just as much as yours. <laughs> yeah, when the days when we did drink a bit more than we do now. Yes. Um, but you've got like seven seven books or something, man, haven't you? No, I've only got four. Four, I've okay. I've only got four books. A few of them got translated in different countries and so on. But mm. um, yeah, I think the cookbooks was a, a good thing at the time. Uh, mm. But today, I don't know, today it's... It's you know every chef's got a cookbook out now you know it's just people think you've published a book you're going to be a millionaire overnight but oh no yeah it's a tough you know, it's a it's, tough it's an expensive uh, business card yeah <laughs> yeah I give books away now so yeah. I, like frankly uh, I, I give them away for uh, charities I give them away yeah. for uh, clients I give them away for presents uh, uh, you know, I sell one one here and there, and that's it. So yeah, yeah I mean, not last Christmas, the Christmas before that, seventy cookbooks came out in Australia. Seventy cookbooks. Yeah. It's so, kind of hard. You know, I mean, how do you keep it fresh? It no one creates recipes anymore. Yeah. They they reinvented, relooked at, mm. and then and, and turn and twist. But there's nothing new anymore. Do you notice any themes that are that have come in and out, or trends that are? affecting the industry at the moment it's a good thing i suppose but health is a big factor in our days mm, mm. uh and uh, vegetarian and vegans and and all different type of diets so uh if you can have all different type of cuisine from around the world why can't you have different diets as well there's a choice for everyone but it's also i don't think there's one diet better than the other i suppose everything in moderation is is the key yeah, I won't go into Pete Evans and so on. <laughs> I won't ask about that because he's very, he's very, uh, probably the opposite of you. He's quite, quite, quite opinionated when it comes to diets and so on. I, look, I mean, I agree with a lot of what he says, but I mean, each to their own, right? I mean, that's it. You either. That's right. Yeah. Each that's to their own. Right. That's my philosophy in life, really. Each to their own. I mean, if it's a, what's that Buddhist saying? If you can't, in life, if you can help people, help them. If you can't help them, stay the fuck out of their way, you know? <laughs> Just. But I, I, if we can have two seconds on Pete Evans, it's exactly what I said to people. People ask me hundreds of questions about him. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, if you like him, follow him. If you don't, fucking leave him alone. I just don't understand. I, I think you and I would appreciate this. And you probably um, get exposed to a lot of people who, who love the sound bites and they love framing people in a certain way and you've got to be a certain way. And that can change overnight. You can suddenly go from being uh, the most loved person to the most hated because of one little thing you've done or one little opinion you've had yeah. as a... You're this cardboard character, and that's all you are. The tall poppy syndrome is huge in Australia. Huge. They love to love you and put you on a high store. Mm. Love doing that. But when you reach up there, they go, hmm, Come down, mate. <laughs> Come down, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Pete Evans must know that that's what's happened to him, you know, because he was the darling, wasn't he? But as soon as he started yeah. sharing his opinions on diets, and they're just his opinions. He might be right, he might be wrong. It's up to you to choose. In terms of projects, we've talked about MKR, and, you know, MKR has been that franchise. What an amazing franchise, man. I mean, it's been – it's in Israel now. It's in the U.S., I think. In 100, the U- 140-odd countries. Countries. I mean, that is fantastic. What's a typical day look like for you on set? The Grand Hog Day. <laughs> <laughs> you must uh, know it we, like the back of your hand now, yeah, man. We, 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 get there, we get there early. Um, we go straight to makeup chair. Uh, just to get a bit of uh, facial stuff and do the hair. I must say, then nice got, beard, mate. I'm, I'm digging the beard. Th- thank you. Yeah, no, yes, yeah. it's good. Um, <laughs> and then we get wardrobe, we get dressed. So they usually choose what we wear in advance. We mm. we don't wear our own stuff. Uh, we get given the script from the script writer. And usually the script is about uh, the intro, intro of the day. And then the art show at the end of the night, and and then everything in between is off the cuff. So yeah, uh, yeah, we we may start shooting, uh, about nine o'clock during the day, and and go for about twelve hours, 
Uh, we can eat food at any time of the day. Kind of thing. It depends what the concept of the challenge is. The hardest part of the job, I suppose, is to be sitting around a table with a bunch of strangers that are not necessarily your friends. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. have to do small talk with. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's the only thing that can be difficult, I suppose, because you're not allowed to have an opinion of on the people around the table. It, yeah. it will be neutral and be polite. And, yeah. and you can have the odd, you know, the odd debate and conversation, but you still have to be kind of politically correct. Yeah. Uh, and for me, that's the hard stuff because sometimes <laughs> I like to tell him what I think, really. <laughs> that must be tough as well. Do you ever get, I mean, you've seen a lot of, you've seen a lot of people come and go, right, through, through your work on television. And have you seen the types of characters that come through with the, Instagram age, and this isn't meant to have a go at you know, you know our younger guys at all. And I don't believe in the Gen yeah, Y yeah, age yeah. thing, but I just wonder: have you seen a, a shift in the types of people that come through? And there's other shows; uh, it's in your <laughs> face. You can why are those people there? They just want to be famous. They mm. want to be famous. They want to have a, maybe uh, a job after it's been filmed, and because they present well, they speak well, they've got a talent, and so on, and so forth. But uh, yeah, it's, it, 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 it does change. And there's a lot of, uh, we've had contestants who've learned cooking on Google, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> um, that's amazing. So, you know, it's, it's a different, a, a complete new generation for, for yeah. us, the, the old bastards. It must make those that have a real genuine passion for cooking really stand out. Like- we, we see that. We we see we we see the real and the not real yeah. from from their dots, you know. I mean, again, it comes back. We talk about the same same time over and over here. But the the people who've won my kitchen rules are the people that work the hardest. Full stop. Head head down, bum up. Yeah. That's all it is. In terms of your other projects, I know you work for um, Canteen. And- I do a lot of charities. I don't necessarily follow them year by year because there's so mm. many charities that I uh, like to be involved with. Uh, sometimes it's only a one-person thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've had family reached rich out to help me, to help mm-hmm. them out mm-hmm. in some way, somehow. And I do the, the Starlight Foundation, the canteen. Uh, I do the community services, cooking for homeless people. And we're the lucky ones, you know. I've yeah. got a great house, a good roof over my head. My mm-hmm. family are happy. You know, the kids have got private education i've got a great job i think if people like me or all of the people like me were helping out uh, mm. it, it kind of would be a better world you know yeah, but, yeah. Um, it's not that simple unfortunately no it's not it's not i think even just sharing your experience and and the resilience that has shaped who you are now is really important for people in your position to do to the casual observer it's just this fame and fortune they haven't seen the long road i, I mean it's 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 funny you know it, it is funny because um well, not funny, haha, but it's true that people have got this perception of people that are on the screen that they have a better life. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, we all, we all the same. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We all have our families, um, you know, people go through cancer or death mm-hmm. and so on. So we're all living the same type of life. What people understand is, I, 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 I see it that way, okay? I walk down the street and people are going, oh my God. <laughs> And you go, what? Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I'm I'm just a guy. Yeah, I, 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 with a job that that puts my face on the screen, I'm not different than anyone else. Yeah, you yeah. know, when I sit down on the loo, it stinks like everybody else. <laughs> you know, and I live in a very nice um, a little uh, neighborhood in Marubra here on mm. the normal street with with neighbors on both sides and they treat me like many not like yeah, that's great. the yeah. guy on tv and i love that you know, that's fantastic really cool. yeah you've lived in australia for quite a while and you go back to france how often i mean i, I try to go back once a year or once, once a year, every year 18 months from your year. family yeah. yeah and that series my france is is france still your france i don't accept the fact that i've got a french accent yeah you don't, I feel, don't feel, it, feel as french as what people think Mm. I let's put it this way. I left home when I was eighteen. Yeah, it's a long time. I've been here. I've been here twenty-one years old, and I spent eight years in London. 
So yeah. I've been speaking English longer than I've been speaking French. I feel sorry for you, mate. Eight years in London. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, that was tough. Sorry, our London yeah. listeners, but, yeah. yeah, once you come to Sydney, you, you'll get what I mean. <laughs> I, I got here when I was 26. Um, yeah. And I can easily say that Australia is home for me. All my friends are here. Uh, my family is mm. here. Uh, and I've, I'm, you know, I represent, uh, I'm on the screen. So, you know, yeah. if, if I left Australia, I would have to start from, 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 from scratch. Just bringing you back to cooking for a second. We like to think as Australians, and you'd probably agree that the produce here is great. What are some of the things that you think could be better from an Australian produce standpoint? No, the produce are fantastic here, I think. Uh, and it's come a long, long way. I mean, mm. I remember when I first arrived 20 years ago, there was already some good stuff happening, but they, had, they were still behind versus the rest of the world. Mm. What I don't understand, though, is we've been eating for hundreds of thousands of years on this planet. Yeah. And we still have to educate people about food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? It's a strange and thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's a strange thing. And in Australia, it's even worse because you've got this huge country with only 23 million people. I think there's only 10% of that that are really food educated. Yeah. Everybody else is still living in the old days. And, yeah. uh, you know, when you travel through Australia in the smaller towns and, and villages and so on, they, they're still, you know, in the past. Yeah. That's a really interesting thing. Do you think it's the um, fear of the unknown? You know, for them, it might be unusual to use garlic, for example, in a dish. Exactly. Exactly. Simple as that. Yeah. Simple as that. But when I, when I we were talking about it last weekend, I think, with some friends, it's funny how suddenly there's bakeries, yeah. croissants, baguettes, and yeah. all those different type of breads that 20 years ago didn't exist because people thought it was either too hot or too humid or we didn't have the right flour and this and yeah, that. Yeah. BS, you know, someone just totally. decided to do it and everybody yeah. followed. We've got some amazing stuff now. Just on that, do you, do you think Australia is on its way to develop developing its own unique food culture? Because it sort of seems like we've borrowed a little bit of everyone from all around the world. Yeah, but but, but that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. That's, that's who you are. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's great. I think it's a great cuisine. It's called, it's called modern strength for a reason. Mm. And this is your type. You, you, you've been doing this forever, so why mm. not? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, you, you, we're all a bunch of foreigners here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, don't, I don't think Australian cuisine will ever exist unless you want to cook some bushtaka, you know? And that's it, because yeah. everything else is mainly for firstly English or Irish to start with, mm. but then you've got all those Asian countries who came and travel and yeah. and and now you've got italians and and koreans and and Japanese and yeah. you've got all these yeah. Indians, you've got, you've got every crease in here, so why not this is yeah I, it's a melting I pot this, is, I yeah. think you should embrace it full stop yeah. You don't need, it is your cuisine. Your cuisine is modern Australian, and I think it's great. I really think the Indigenous cultures could teach us a lot about how to use locally sourced, in-season foods. They had been doing it for 40-odd thousand years, right? What are your thoughts on embracing more of those uh, traditional I'm Indigenous ingredients and so on? Yeah. I'm surprised there's no restaurant that exists in Sydney or Melbourne that are specialised in that. Yeah. Doing yeah. modern Australian cuisine with indigenous ingredients. Mm. It surprises me. Uh, the only time I've had indigenous food is when I go to Queensland, North Park, Queensland. Yeah, yeah. But everywhere else, it's just, I just don't understand when, I mean, I wouldn't do it because I don't think it's my place. I don't think, mm. uh, not my style, but surely a, a young, you know, Aboriginal chef could just open a great little you know, it doesn't have to be fancy, but like nice uh, bushtaka bistro. Or, yeah, I'd love to see know. that. I really would. I'm really surprised as well that no one has um, picked up on that. Not that I know of, and obviously you, yeah, haven't, yeah, that's you, right. you haven't heard of anything. 
Manu, I know it's um, been an hour and I've I've gone a little bit over time. I know how tight no, your, right, your, your schedule is. So I've really had a great time chatting as well. I think it's been awesome. And it's reminded me of the, the chat we had and the couple of pints we had um, <laughs> 10 years ago. So it's been fantastic. And we've really only just scratched the surface. So maybe we can pick up this conversation. I, James, I'll be happy to. I'll, I'll be happy to. If we don't want to do a podcast, we can just have those couple of more beers and yeah, absolutely. Before we go, though, I really feel like you've got so much more to share. You've gone through the tough times and you've you've seen the heights and you're, you're still climbing. What's some advice you could give? A little bite of wisdom. Follow your dreams and just don't give up. Nothing's going to be easy. It's always going to be tough and only the toughest wins. That's so great. Don't give up. Yeah. Don't give up. Follow your dreams. Don't give up. Only the toughest wins. And that's why I've got a huge amount of respect for you because I, I, I know I, I'm always drawn to people who have seen some tough, hard times and they've persevered through it, you know, and, yeah. and they persevere through it in a positive manner. It's not like they hate the world or that's anything right. like that. They yeah, come, be kind. Exactly. Yeah, yeah they come through kind. the other end and there are you examples of, of the positivity, positive people who've got this energy that they bring to a be, room. You and, don't have to be an asshole to, to succeed, you know. You can yeah. be a nice guy and succeed. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I always hated that saying, you know, the, the good guys come last. I always called bullshit on that. I thought, no, man, no, no, that's bullshit. Yeah, that's absolutely crap. I mean, yeah. it's, it's harder because some, some people <laughs> take advantage of, of nice people. But, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, you, can, you can still be nice and succeed. Well, before we do go, where can people find out more about what you're doing, your range of sources, and anything else? Mostly on social media is what happens now. So the the source by Manu is uh, also a website. Uh, Manufeldale.com.au is my personal website that you can also see. There's videos, cooking videos, and, and stuff that are info and, and so on. And the sauce are in Woolies in the midsection, and they're absolutely delicious. And uh, La Botanique uh, are coming soon, so... Uh, watch this space. Fantastic. Manu, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Well, it was a pleasure talking to you today as well. So I'm happy to do it again anytime. Thank you, man. Thank maybe you. Maybe next time we'll do the, the Zoom. We just each of us have a beer in our hand and we can we can have that beer. Yes, we will. We will. Um, and if you're ever in Erskineville, come upstairs. We'll have some good Singaporean food. <laughs> Wicked. All right. <laughs> awesome, mate. Uh, thanks Cheers, again, buddy. Manu. Cheers, man. Thanks, mate. See you, brother. If you'd like to find out more about me or the B-Side podcast, please visit jamesbside.com. That's one word, jamesbside.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at B-Side Podcast. If you have any suggestions or feedback on the show, please email me at hello at jamesbside.com. And don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. The B-Side with James Barrow is produced by me, and I really hope it's helped unlock your creative potential. Thanks for listening, and until next episode, cheers. Cheers.